to see everybody this morning. Well, we're, we're, we're in process on catching up on our homework here. James is busily <laughs> reading, oh, reading Ephesians chapter one as we speak, trying to catch up and be prepared, but no, no tension if, uh, if we're coming in totally blind. This morning is our chance to just kind of stop and pause and yeah, look at a, look at a piece of scripture. And I, I'm sort of excited about this idea of working our way through a book and sort of seeing what it has to say to us over the course of kind of now till Christmas, basically, this will take us out to, but um, yeah, the, you know, I, I guess, you know, sort of to set us up for Ephesians, just for two seconds, we're going to jump over and hear some great things about experiencing God from Tim in a second, but just to kind of set us up for the, for the morning or for the series, this, um, I guess, Ephesians was written while Paul was in prison which is kind of an interesting perspective to a group of people that he spent two years uh, kind of living with and sharing life with. And I guess uh, one of the unique things about Ephesians that's different to some of the other letters that Paul's written is he didn't really write it to address a problem. Some of the books that Paul wrote were sort of to address things that were either going wrong socially or theologically, but really this this letter is a bit special in some of the things that Paul wrote because this is his heart to a group of people that he shared life with that he really came to love. This is kind of like the thing that, this is kind of the perspective that he really wanted to be protected. So this was, Paul, oh, there's some upset happening. Anyways, this, this book was kind of written to lay out what Paul didn't want to get lost. And I think as I've thought about that and come to this, you know, as like a idea to be protected, it sort of changed the way that I started to see it. And um, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it today. Sort of the, the first half of Ephesians is really all about what God did for us. And then the second half of Ephesians is all about the lifestyle that it calls us to. And I guess without the first half, reading the second half becomes enormously challenging because without receiving what God did, we haven't got a hope of the lifestyle to which we're called to participate in together. And yeah, and then, and then really in the first half of Ephesians, the first three chapters, he sort of, it's sort of almost broken down of you know, what God did for us, like gave his son, redeemed us, changed our story, adopted us into a family, accepted us in, and then what he did in us, gave us the spirit to empower us and to give us what we require. And then thirdly, what he did among us, what, what God's done has changed in what we share together. I think that's a, a cool idea that first he had to do something for me, then he did something in me, and then he could accomplish something among us. And then in the second half, he really goes on to talk about the things that are produced by that work, you know, things like unity and things like, righteousness and yeah but anyway we'll 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 get into those things but i'm sort of uh this this week then obviously in chapter one is really about what god did for us that was god's plan why did he do this what what was it that he did for us and we're gonna look at a few pieces of that as we go through chapter one this morning but uh yeah let me let me just let me just pray as we hook in and then we'll check over to you tim to hear a bit about what's been going on in experiencing god this week so yeah, Father, we thank you for family. We just thank you for each of these houses that we see here. We just thank you for what you're doing in Greg and Lisa's life. 
what, you, what you're doing in that home in New Zealand. We just ask you just bless them this morning. Thank you for Curtis and Carlan, the home that they've opened there. And we just ask you, Spirit, your presence is to come in that place. And they're with Ali and the Jops. Father, we just ask you bless them this morning. Thank you for how you're protecting them. We just pray for health. Health, Father. We just thank you for this crew that are gathered here. Would you just meet us this morning in these places? And as we just take a deep breath and let ourselves just kind of sink into the place we are, we just want to individually invite you to just come and meet us this morning. Yeah, we just ask that all the noisy bits of getting to where we got to and being ready for what we're ready for. Let's ask it all just settle out and be able to just come to see the people that are around us. Let's see the place that we find ourselves in and just find you. Just, just let us just run into you this morning in the conversations we have and the things we pause and reflect on. Just invite you to come and have our attention and to meet us in these ideas this morning and these conversations. And so we just thank you that you're close today. Yeah, I was prayed in your name. Amen. Well, Tim, I sure, sure appreciate you. It's, uh, I, 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 it's come up twice this week. I don't really know why, but it's like there's been this, this, I, I, this idea for me about just what, a, what an influence you are. Someone was talking to me about like people on the peninsula and people who know people and people who are connected kind of to, to big people. And they were talking about you, Tim. And it's like, yeah, there's just something about this man that's just so attractive and influential. And yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we're, I do know he's a chef. Yeah, that's good. Angela, wants to make sure we got that in there. Nah, you're a good man, Tim. Well, share with us what's happening, what's been happening in Experiencing God for you this week. <laughs> What's been yeah, hanging so around? Can you guys hear me? Maybe don't. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep, good. Um, so we're in week six, which is the second week of God Speaks. Uh, it's a two-week sort of unit on um, how God speaks to us and in that. Um, and I just sort of read a few thoughts on um, one of the uh, questions, if you will, in this week. Um, where the author speaks about um, feeling God's silence or feeling God being silent with him. Um, and so I'll just go through sort of what he wrote and then my reflections on that. Um, he explains that um, when, he hears, when he doesn't hear from God and he feels God's silence, that um, often people would tell him that um, it's basically it's because, it, because of sin. That's the only reason that... Um, he wouldn't hear from God. Um, and that is possible in Amos 8, 11 to 12. It says, uh, the days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send you a famine through the, through the land, not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Um, he goes on to say that, um, he'd confessed and repented all of his known sin. Um, and God's silence confused him. He reminds us of the story of Job, where Job's friends uh, tell him that um, if God's not speaking, then it's definitely because of sin. Um, but we remember that God 
got a different reasons for his silence. Um, I was sort of reminded here on uh, Psalm 22, 1 to 2, um, where David writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You are so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find, uh, but I find no rest. Um, the author of Experiencing God, he writes um, that he, he prayed, Heavenly Father, I don't understand this silence. You're going to have to tell me what you are doing in my life. God answered this prayer through his word. Um, he was reading the story of Lazarus, Lazarus um, one morning um, where John reports that Jesus loved Lazarus, um, Mary and Martha. He, um, that Jesus, sorry, <laughs> he reports that Jesus received word that his good friend who he loved um, was sick um, to the point of death. He delayed going until Lazarus died. Um, Mary and Martha asked Jesus to come and help their brother when he was sick and Jesus stayed silent. All the way through Lazarus's final sickness and death, Jesus did not answer. They received no response from the one who claimed he loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Mary and Martha too, yet he did nothing. Lazarus died. Mary and Martha went through all the steps of preparing for his funeral and God remained silent. Finally, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go. By the time Jesus arrived, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Here, the author tells us, um, is when the spirit begins to speak to him. It's almost as if Jesus' response to Martha was, you're exactly right. If I had come to you when uh, you asked your brother, when you asked, your brother would not have died. You, would, you knew that I could have healed him because you've seen me heal many times before. If I had come when you asked, I would have healed him. But you would have never known any more about me than you already understood. I knew you were ready for greater revelation of me than you have known before. I wanted you to know that I am resurrection and the life. My refusal and my silence was not a rejection. Um, there were opportunities for me to disclose more of you than you have ever known. So my reflections on, on this was... Um, what I'm learning over the last sort of two weeks in experiencing God is that it's so important to know God's nature through a real and close personal relationship with him. Um, when, when we're trying to seek his will for something, if we believe God is only silent from uh, the separation of sin, uh, then when God's silent for another reason, we'll miss out on the true reason for his silence or miss the goodness that will come as a result of it. If we don't believe God is a lavish gift giver, then how can we give him the glory when he gives us lavish gifts? If we're positioning our lives and our hearts to be free of sin, then we can take hope in God's silence or times that he's silent with us. Um, because what we're learning from these passages and scriptures is that God is silent. He's, when God is silent, he's still working. He's good and everything he does is good. That's really cool. We got some background music happening. We, um, man, I, I, I love those, those thoughts, Tim, that, you know, like we, we, we can get really caught in a mindset that goes, you know, God's moved away from me and there's nothing to say to me because I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but like, you know, I think
I can find myself even at times in a place where I, my righteousness or my right acting is, is, is my unrighteous acting is still resulting in God's presence in conversation. And so it's like this recipe between my behavior is determining God's willingness to be with me. It's, it's, it's kind of not the right mindset, isn't it? is it? And it's like, you know, I think what you're talking about, and I really appreciate it, is moments where God's asking to, us to, to trust him yeah. because the questions we're asking or the things we want to hear about, he's, he's not speaking on. He's gone quiet on some things and there's some things that we're moving through or he's working through or there's these waiting periods. And um, yeah, the, the, that's, that's, those, those are great thoughts. I really appreciate it. What, what, what do you think for you, Tim, like the implication of that is, or what's the rollout? Like, what does that give you to move forward with that idea? Like what, what does it provide to you? Yeah, I think um, what um, God's really reinforcing to me throughout this whole study, but especially over the last sort of two weeks in God speaks sort of uh, sections um, is just um, like, we, we know foundationally what God's nature is and he's always going to stay true to that. Um, And so when we have times that are tough or we're going through something that's confusing or um, it feels like a trial, then just, go back to what you know God is and um, let that be the authority through, through God's word and his nature. Let that be the authority of how God's acting towards you um, yeah. because it can be easy to let the enemy into your life and um, sort of to speak lies into who God is. Um, mm. That's sort of his best, atta- best attack. The enemy. Um, so if we can just know God's nature and learn a closer relationship with God and that's going to teach us his nature and then read the scripture and the word that's going to, um, you know, that's the authority on who God is. Um, he's always going to stay true to that. So um, that, that's a promise from God. So, um, and that can help stop that lies into your life from the enemy that um, God's something that he isn't. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I love that thought that um, when I've come to know and trust the nature of God, mm. when the answers aren't there or he seems quiet or he seems distant, I have something to come back to and it's that I'm going to trust who he is. Yeah, I really like that, Tim. I think that's, I think it's like when, when I take this situation or this difficult thing or this quiet moment or this place where I feel confused or like I can't see it and I start to like, try to understand God in the middle of that, it can get pretty messy pretty quickly. That's yeah. right. I like that, Tim. That's great. Well, thanks for sharing. Appreciate you. Good to hear some of the things that are rolling around in your head. Uh, well, we're going we're gonna to take a minute and uh, yeah, have, a, have a worship reflection, take a chance to take a deep breath and uh, yeah, just fix our attention have a sing if that's what you're up for have a have a chance to connect with the ideas of god that are provided in this song and yeah, they really do they really do connect this morning to some of the scriptures that we've got to reflect on so yeah let's just let's just take a minute and connect in with god together around some worship so yeah <clears throat>
Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna, I mean, that, I guess the lyric of that song in some ways is the, is the theme of this first half of Ephesians chapter one, really. So, so I hadn't heard that song before, Curtis, but that's, that's uh, well chosen. Um, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna take a look at um, two parts of, two halves of, of chapter one this morning in, in two sections, and then look at a theme also that's sort of presented through the, the whole chapter. So I'll kick us off with the first half, and then Curtis is going to introduce the second half, and then Grace is going to bring us home with, uh, with the last idea. But I'm, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read this first half of Ephesians. So it starts out in verse one. I'm writing to God's holy people. I'm reading in uh, New Living Translation. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and he gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered us. Uh, sorry, he, shout, he sh- has showered us. He has showered, showered his kindness on us. Wow. I didn't know the coffee had We're moving. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And the plan, this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. I mean, honestly, you could take now till Christmas just to unpack this, uh, but it's... um, it's 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 got these like it's got these central pieces in it that speak to the plan and the heart and the purpose of God for us as His people and what He what He did in the mix of this for us. You know that He has adopted us into His own family, that He's redeemed us unto Himself, that He's pulled us together in Christ. There's this phrase in here that says. You know, um, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. You know, like sometimes I think we view this relationship with Jesus as like, 
you know, kind of like just a, just a, uh, a casual uh, friendship of someone who we see every now and then for a coffee. But I think like when those terms are used, like the thing that I can most swiftly relate it to is like more like my relationship to Leela. Like this is a person who I'm joined to, who I'm exposed to, who my choices and her choices are intertwined and where the things which she gives her life to or the things that she has are I'm a direct beneficiary of, but I'm also in like such close partnership with. And I think this idea of being united with Christ being adopted into a family, being gathered together under something and then being afforded this whole package because of that is a, is a really powerful idea. But let's, let's take a minute and, and throw this chunk of scripture out into our groups. There's a, a few questions in the rooms, but maybe take a minute again to just let people pull it out and read it and gather some thoughts around what's this suggesting to us or what sticks out to us or what challenges us. And let's, let's take a minute and chat about this, this piece of scripture uh, in our rooms and then we'll come back together in about 15. Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so you might grow in your knowledge of God. And I pray your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. And then he goes on to say, yeah, and also I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power who raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And he goes on to talk about authority again, but I just want to focus a little bit on this idea of, of the light and, and in the NLT specifically uses um, this terminology. He says, I pray your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand confident hope he has given to those he's called. And, um, I've been sitting in this a little bit, and I'm just like, man, trying to let this land for me. What is this idea of light? What is the significance? One of the one of the questions that we're going to ask is like, what leads you to an experience of having your heart filled with light, right? And then, and then I've been, I've been sort of sitting in all week, and I've been like, oh, okay, like thinking of different things, but it hasn't really landed. And then yesterday. We were together at the Thrive thing, and so some of us were there, and uh, we're sitting there, and, and as talks about intentionality. Like, when I choose to be intentional with something, when I choose to reach towards it, that's when it gains significance for me. And Janessa was talking about, too, I have to work a little bit here, and then all of a sudden, there it is. Yeah? And I was thinking about, and then, and then I woke up this morning and Charlie's crying in his room and he wakes up at around 7.30 and that's, that's pretty typical. I, we've, we, as the light is increasing in the day, the daylight um, in the morning, as it's starting to increase, we're noticing that uh, Charlie, as soon as he sees the crack of light in the window, then it's up time. And I'm pretty nervous about summer because uh, this is going to be difficult, but uh, I think he'll also probably go to bed with the light on. So maybe, maybe he'll get used to it. But 
Um, so what I've done is I've gone into his room and I've blacked out his his window with cardboard. Like I, it's a massive. Like he has no more daylight in his room. So if that's a crime to my child, I'm I'm sorry, but there's no more daylight that belongs in Charlie's room. And um, but as a little bit of time has gone on, what we've noticed is that. Um, that cardboard has you know like whatever it heats up probably in there and it bends a little and and so this morning i come in there and charlie's crying because he thinks he feels in his body it's time to wake up but it's dark in his room and so he's confused a little bit and i see him duck a little bit and i said what are you looking at and, and he says oh he gets this big thing on his oh, light and you can see this little crack of light and he goes from crying to like, oh, it's morning. The sun is up. I can see it. And um, I don't know, for some reason that just flooded me with like, like he went from like weeping to like joy in like an instant second. Like, I don't have to cry. I don't have to stay in bed. I don't have to do this anymore. It's the morning. It's not nighttime. And it's like, and it just, it just clicked for me. This, this, this loop of intentionality, when I get up, when I choose to reach for him, and um, he comes, and he, and you know, and he shows, and sometimes the crack of light is like, is like someone leading me, saying, hey, look, though, there's this good thing about God, or hey, why don't you reach for this, this was Chris for me. Chris, for me, is peeling back, you know, yesterday at Thrive, you know, he's peeling back the corner of the window saying, hey, see this sliver of light? It's there. It's there for the taking. It's morning. You can actually go and reach for it and get it. And so, anyway, I was super encouraged by that. So, we're going to lean into that in our groups this morning as we think about uh, light a little bit and, and our hearts are flooded with light. And so, I'll um, I'll put it to groups there and we'll go for 15 and then we'll be back with... with um, our, our last section. Is that good? Uh, I think this, uh, you know, I think this, the, these ideas fall a little bit into, to borrow Glenn's, you know, language from this morning into kind of this like uh, heebie-jeebie category where, you know, Glenn was talking about this experience that he was having last Sunday, uh, you know, really that, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily the way he put it, but really was around positioning his own life under the authority of Christ. And he's saying, I don't want to get all heebie-jeebie about it, but this week has been different. You know, I think what we're talking about here is some spiritual principles that go, when we give God, when we give Jesus his place, it is to our benefit. And I love some of the things you're saying in there, um, Grace, around that being practical and around that being intentional and around that being repetitive you know, I think, I think it's not this once and done situation where we go, oh, Jesus, you have your place and be our God and be over this church. And I, I love too what you're saying around, um, you know, we don't get to accept this without letting go of control and making some adjustments. And that, that you know, that, that can be, um, that can seem terrifying at times if, if, if we're honest, but you know, I think if we take up the promise of this scripture that it is to the benefit of this church that that we would be gathered together under the authority of Jesus. And then it's like, you know, I think the idea sounds nice, but then how how does Jesus get to have a practical place of authority? 
you know, and I, and I think, you know, we're, we're, we're coming about in a generation and in a season in society where authority is a swear word, you know, where it's like, we don't talk about that. I'm an authority unto myself. And that's the, that's the ultimate goal and the ultimate gain. And, and this, this notion that it may be to my benefit to receive a greater authority, to give him his place. And then when a people would do that, because even to think about that in an individual sense can be challenging, you know, like Mel, James, be great if, you know, either one of you as individuals just give Jesus authority over your life. Well, then what about you as a couple? What about when Jesus has authority over your marriage, your home? Well, now he's gaining greater context. Well, now what about when Jesus gains authority over the workplace that you're a part of or something that you're involved in? And then what about when our church has Jesus as his authority? What would be the benefit of that? What would the light that comes out from that look like? And what would the power of God be? What would the benefit be of a place like that? And I think some of that's aspirational and inspirational, but it's like, you know, I think, think what we're reminded of here is that this is what God's intended. This is his plan that he would gather us as people together under the authority of Christ. And that in that, that's practical, that's tangible, that's intentional. And actually it means I lose some opportunity for things to go my way or be as I would intend because he's gaining an authority and yeah, I'm, I'm as comfortable and inspired as I am uncomfortable and unsure, you know, I think, um, yeah, I re really appreciate your thoughts on that grace. And I mean, we're going to, we're going to throw it back to rooms from there and we're going to let you guys finish out your mornings together. And I just encourage you maybe to finish your morning up with a, a time of prayer that these things would, would fall into our hearts and that they would be seeds that gain some traction and that this intent that, that God has for us, that we would be in his family, gathered together as one under the authority of Christ, flooded with light and receiving his power, that this would be our reality. And yeah, so thank you, Grace, for those thoughts that kind of really bring a lot to the whole of this passage. We'll, we'll take, take a minute in your rooms and chew on this idea of the authority of Jesus and being gathered together under that and where does that sit for us what's that look like how's that practical or, or there's better questions on the sheet just ignore all I, I get blamed for putting 16 questions out there and confusing everyone all the time but you know enjoy some time talking about that and um, wrap your mornings up in prayer where you are and we love you guys uh, appreciate what's come from all the places this morning and so yeah enjoy the rest of enjoy the rest of your day and yeah take some time to talk about this idea of authority before you bust out for lunch so that's it from us over here